Walk into any cafe today and the barista might ask you if you want oat or soy milk with your latte instead of the usual dairy. But beyond the difference in taste, how do plant-based milks stack up against dairy milk in terms of nutritional value and carbon footprint? This is the Eco Business Podcast. I'm Samantha Ho. In recent years, plant-based milk options such as soy, almond and oat have boomed in popularity. Research shows that a majority of Asians are lactose intolerant, so these are a viable substitute to dairy for some of us. But how do these alternative milks compare to dairy when it comes to their health benefits and what should consumers look out for on the label? As part of a series of podcasts in association with the taste and nutrition firm Carey Group, we speak to two guest nutritionists today who will answer some of these questions. The first is Dr. Kalpana Bashkaran, who is the president of the Singapore Nutrition and Dietetics Association, as well as the head of Glycemic Index Research Unit and Deputy Director, Industry and Partnerships at the Masek Polytechnic in Singapore. Dr. Kalpana was one of the expert advisors for the establishment of Singapore's Nutri-Grade system, which is a mandatory set of measures for labelling and advertising prepackaged beverages in Singapore. It came into effect in December last year. Also joining us is Patty O'Keefe, registered nutritionist with the Association of Nutrition and Sustainability Lead for Applied Health and Nutrition at Cary. Dr. Kalpana and Patty, thank you for joining us on the show. So the first question that I have for the both of you is about the growing acceptance and preference for non-dairy milk. So what are the main types of plant-based milk that you've seen on the market? And can you explain the differences between them? Dr. Kalpana, maybe you can take this first. As we all know that sustainability is in focus now and there are many plant-based beverages recently in the market. Maybe I'll divide them into various types depending on the source. If it's going to be cereal-based, you can see types like oat milk, rice milk, corn, spelt, milk from quinoa. The same way there are milk which are legume-based, which is soy milk peanut milk, lupin and cowpea milk, and also recently the bambara nuts that also comes under the legume-based milk. And we also have milk which are nut-based, which is almond milk, coconut, hazelnut, pistachio and walnut, as well as cashew nut milk. Seed-based can be sesame seed milk, milk from flax seeds, sunflower, hemp, etc. And there is also one category which is the pseudo-cereal-based milk, which uh, quinoa comes under that as well as cereal, or it can be teff and amaranth. So that's why there's a long list, and I feel that there will be more and more new type of milk added on to this list. That's very interesting, and some of them I've actually not heard of myself. But could you share a bit more about the differences between these different sources of plant-based milk? What's the nutritional difference between them? Yeah, so when you just look at the differences, you know, mostly as consumers, you can see the difference in their color, appearance, as well as nutritional profiles, flavors, and textures. So when you see the differences, maybe when you consider oat milk, uh, compared to almond milk, oat milk has a special type of fiber, which is the beta-glucan. So this is something special about oat milk. And it also has uh, no gluten, so it can be consumed by people who want gluten-free milk. Same in the case of almond milk, it is rich in vitamin E. Uh, So whereas in the case of rice milk, you can see it is generally lower in fat and calories. 
And when I compare rice milk with coconut milk, coconut milk is high in saturated fat and specifically it contains lauric acid. Um, and it also has a rich and creamy texture and a sweet nutty flavor. And the new one, you can see hemp milk. It's a good source of omega-3 as well as omega-6 fatty acids. So each milk has its unique composition. And mostly when you want to choose, when consumers want to choose, focus on both the macronutrients as well as the micronutrients. Okay, thank you so much, Dr. Kalpana. So I think there's quite a number of differences even among different plant-based milks. But Patty, can you share with us as well how plant-based milks are different from dairy. What's the main difference in nutritional value between both of these? Of course. Uh, so I suppose to start with, I'll explain dairy. So dairy is a really nutritious ingredient. It's a unique blend of nutrients that include, you know, it's very high in calcium, phosphorus, iodine, vitamin B2, vitamin B12, a very high quality source of protein because it contains all of the essential amino acids. It's very in a digestible format for our bodies. However, dairy, I suppose, has been given some bad press over the years, and that's probably due to its high levels of saturated fat. So many of our listeners would know that we're advised to limit our saturated fat intake mainly as it's linked to conditions such as cardiovascular disease. So that's where we can get a challenge around whether or not dairy is healthy. But all in all, it is such a, a nutritious source of those very vital minerals and vitamins. And there is actually a lot of research coming out showing that the saturated fat in dairy and milk, because it's part of a, a food matrix, we don't actually respond to it in the same way that we would respond to saturated fat from, from other ingredients such as processed foods. And that dairy can actually have quite a positive effect on our heart health and, and different conditions like that. So if we were to compare it to plant-based milks, there is quite a difference. Now, Dr. Kalpana has also just mentioned a lot of differences between plant-based milks themselves. But I suppose some of the key differences between plant-based and milk First, it would be around the protein content. Now, if we consider soy milk, that actually has a very high protein content, very high quality. But if we were to look at something like oat milk, coconut milk, rice milk, that has a very low protein content. And nutrients such as um, B12, we would see across the board in plant-based milks as being maybe negligible levels or non-existent similar to that with, with iodine. So these are some really key trace elements that we do need to function healthily as in our day-to-day. And so as consumers should maybe go to look at their plant-based milks, it is important that they do take a look at that back of pack and see if some of these nutrients have been fortified back in, particularly looking at the calcium content, uh, B12, iodine, B2, ingredients like that. Another key piece is that around the iodine content in milk, that is one of the most key ingredients where we actually consume iodine. And this is due to how it's been supplemented into the cattle feed. And so if we were to move away from dairy, then there's actually a big challenge around getting our recommended iodine intake. And so that's a key piece to understand as well. And also, I suppose, one thing for consumers to be aware of is that milk as an ingredient is pretty tightly regulated. If you see the word milk in terms of dairy on a, in an ingredient formulation or being sold as whole, 
then it has to meet certain criteria around its protein content, its milk solids, and you can be quite sure that it's going to have a certain nutritional quality. However, these plant milks are not as widely regulated. And so it can be confusing to consumers to assume that they all are equal and that they're equal to dairy. But that is actually not the case. And we do need to help consumers to, to educate on, on where those pitfalls around nutrition and to ensure that they're choosing a plant-based milk that is fortified with some of those key nutrients. I think those differences between plant-based milk and dairy, as well as some of the nutrients that may be lacking, is something that consumers should be aware of, especially when buying plant-based milks. So we're going to come to that question about what consumers should be looking for on the labels of these plant-based milks in a bit. But I think before that, there's a group that we usually recommend milk to, and that's children. And Dr. Kalpana, maybe you can share a little bit more about how exactly this affects the nutritional intake of children. Are there any benefits to kids drinking plant-based milk instead of dairy? Actually, there are both benefits and I should say maybe a little bit of potential drawbacks to children drinking plant-based milk. And this decision to drink which type of milk, dairy or plant-based, actually depends on the child's individual needs as well as preferences. And also, when you choose the specific nutritional content of the milk in question, so we, we have to decide on that. So let's say for a child, we choose milk such as soy, oat, coconut milk or almond milk as an alternative to dairy milk. This can be an option for children who are lactose intolerant or they have a sort of milk allergy then no choice, but they can go for these plant-based milk options. But when they consider, if you want to have a, uh, as Patty mentioned, right, protein is an essential nutrient in dairy. So when you want the child to get that adequate amount of protein, then you can go for soy milk, which has almost equal content as dairy. But having said that, when you look at the bioavailability of the protein, it is still not comparable to dairy. Uh, but with the complementation, I think that had, that can be taken care of. And also plant-based milk can offer certain nutritional benefits that dairy milk may not be. For example, if let's say for a child who is more than two years old, in that case, you can go for plant-based milk options. If you want to go for a lower, a lower in saturated fat and calories, that, that can be an option. But most of the time, we always say for growing children, don't restrict too much of fat. Okay, fat is an essential nutrient. It also provides um, a good source of vitamin E when, when they choose almond milk. So that is, is something parents can also look into when they want sources of vitamin E. And when you compare with calcium, definitely dairy calcium is, is much better highly bioavailable because calcium availability depends on also how it's bound with the lactose in milk. So since plant-based options do not contain lactose, the calcium availability may be a bit lower. And other reason is uh, some of the calcium in plant-based milk is actually bound to phytates. Okay, the phytates in plant-based milk actually are anti-nutrient factors which might prevent absorption. Having said that, phytates also are sometimes, when you look at the benefits of phytates, they also contain antioxidants. They behave as antioxidants. So that's why that can also be looked at in a positive light. And during processing of plant-based milk, the phytate content actually is removed or decreased. And so that will not be acting as an anti-nutrient factor. 
And uh, when you give oats milk, of course, the beta glucan definitely has a cholesterol lowering effect and it has got even the hypoglycemic effect, which is good. And in the case of rice, you can see the phytosterols and quinoa is a rich source of manganese and phosphorus. And isoflavones and phytosterols present in soy is also beneficial for, for children. So having said all that, you know, some benefits are seen in plant-based milk, but I always go again with the tenets of nutrition, practice, balance, moderation, variety, and this should be taken into account when choosing the right type of milk for the children. Thank you, Dr. Kalpana. So that's a lot of information, I think, especially for parents who are choosing milks for their children. So Patty, could you share with us maybe what exactly parents and even consumers should look out for on labels? Are there any specific words they they should keep an eye out for? And is there anything they should avoid that could negate the benefits, I think, of plant-based milk or maybe make it slightly less nutritious? Absolutely. Um, so I'd actually just like to weigh in just for a moment on the, the previous question. I agree with everything you just said, Dr. Kalpana, and another I suppose, key piece for our audience to be aware of is around calcium and bone density. So actually, we do reach our peak bone density around the ages between 25 and 30. So for children in particular, getting enough calcium is really, really important for later years in life to avoid osteoporosis and brittle bones. So everything that Dr. Kalpana just mentioned about um, the bioavailability of calcium in milk as a, as a whole is actually really, really important for, for children. So I just another reinforcement of that you know, cow's milk is very important for children. Mm-hmm. Um, so regarding, I suppose, labels on plant-based milks and what to look out for or what to avoid, the first thing I think to look out for is what we've mentioned already is that piece around the fortification. So if, if the consumer were to look at the back of pack and to check that have those essential micronutrients and vitamins being added back into um, the plant-based milks because they are inherently missing some of those nutrients or they're very low in them. So for example, calcium would be very important. B12 would be very, very important. You know, B2 is another one that's often added back in. So that'd be something that I would definitely advise a consumer to, to look out for because it's not standard that all plant-based milks will have these nutrients added back into them. So I think that's really a key piece. But not everybody looks at the back of pack or maybe understands how those words, those nutrients or vitamins are actually labelled. So sometimes companies are actually using a front of pack nutrition models to help guide consumers to healthier options. So in Europe, we have the, for example, a Nutri-Score, which is a graded front-of-pack nutritional profile model. It goes from A to E, and the A is dark green and the E is dark red. So it's it's very easy for a consumer to instantly understand whether or not this product is healthier or less healthy. And I know you have a version of this in Singapore called the Nutri-Grade that Dr. Kalpana was part advisor to, an expert, expert advisor to that as well. Um, so it's fantastic to have these front-of-pack models to really guide consumers. So I, I do understand that in Europe, for example, with the Nutri-Score, they actually have certain exceptions or amendments to the scoring methodology in order to promote dairy and the the benefits of dairy. 
So for the Nutri-Score in Europe, any beverage that is over 80% milk is actually scored slightly differently. So that allows it to score basically higher, get a a more positive score. And that is because of the understanding that dairy is a really, really great source of nutrients and really, really important. Because of course, these profile models can't take into account every single nutrient. They mostly look at the macronutrients. And if they just solely look at macronutrients, the saturated fat content could skew that product towards a more negative score. But the scoring methodology takes this into account to help guide it to more a more positive score. So definitely for a consumer, if there is a front of pack model that is is guiding the consumer, that is a great way to start and a really easy way to understand it. Thank you, Patty. And thanks also for highlighting the Nutri score in Europe and how there's a different one that's been launched recently in Singapore. So Dr. Kalpana, I think that also brings me to the question of the difference, I think, in maybe nutritional requirements that Asians have compared to the rest of the world. So research has shown that a majority of Asians are lactose intolerant. Do you see this as a push factor that is turning consumers towards plant-based milk? And also, like, how does Singapore's Nutri-Score maybe help with consumers when they're looking at whether or not they should be buying more of this plant-based milk? Okay, yeah, that's a very relevant question. So when you look at Asians, uh, majority, you know, like 90 to 100 percent Asians are lactose uh, intolerant. When I mentioned lactose intolerant, there are different grades of lactose intolerance. If they just take 50 ml of dairy milk, nothing happens. But if they take maybe one full cup of milk, that's when they have these digestive disturbances. So compared to uh, the other part of the world, I think most of the Asians are lactose intolerant. And uh, this is uh, because of a genetic new mutation which happened thousands of years ago. And uh, you can see the impact even today. Uh, but this high prevalence, of course, is a push, push factor that is turning Singaporeans towards plant-based milk. In addition, I also feel one of the reasons why it is becoming more popular is because the the environmental impact of dairy farming and animal welfare, the growing concerns must have are, are also turning towards plant-based milk as a more sustainable and an ethical option. But when you want to choose plant-based options, of course, it's lactose-free, that is one. But other than, as Patty mentioned, we always advise consumers to look at front-of-label packaging. And that's where in Singapore, we have come up with a nutri-grade labeling system, which has uh, from A to D. And how we came up with this system is we look at two major nutrients, which is saturated fat and sugar. Okay, so because both saturated fat and sugar are related to like high consumption is strongly linked to chronic diseases. That's the reason why these two nutrients are picked. A and B actually have lower amounts of saturated fat as well as added sugar. So when you look at plant-based milk, plant-based milk, which is naturally processed without any addition of sugar, added sugar, they will fall within A and B category. Okay, no added sugar then will be in this category. Whereas when you take dairy milk, dairy milk naturally it has lactose, but we we can ignore that. But when you take the saturated fat, dairy milk, which is whole milk, will fall under the D category and low fat milk may fall depending on type, how much of a fat is there, can fall under the B or C category. So, but as consumers, they look at this as well as my suggestion will be to look at the ingredient list. 
ingredient list is very very important why because some of the ingredients which are added to manufacture this or process this plant based milk check whether it contains any allergens or ingredients that consumers may be sensitive to because some of the plant based milk let's say i choose milk or soy milk that might contain soy or nuts or gluten so please check on the allergen list that's very that's very very important and again fortification because depending on the brand some brands may contain high calcium or they may contain very low calcium the same thing they may be added with vitamin d or vitamin b12 so look at what is being fortified in that plant based milk so maybe then you get more value for the money you pay to purchase the plant based milk and other thing you can look at is sustainability maybe you can also check whether the packaging is it a sustainable packaging or is it do they use regenerative farming practices and that can be looked into as well in addition to the nutritional content of the milk so i would like to touch on what you said about fortification of the milk whether or not as patty mentioned earlier also that any other vitamins are added to plant based milk to make up for the vitamins or nutrients that they lack if consumers look at the milks that are available to them in their supermarkets and they find that they're not sufficiently fortified are there any supplements or uh, different types of food they should be taking patty would you be able to suggest what other kinds of foods they should use to supplement their diets absolutely so i suppose it depends on what a diet or lifestyle the consumer is following so if they are choosing to drink plant based milks because they are maybe a vegan or vegetarian obviously they're going to have to choose more plant based foods to supplement back in but a lot of consumers actually are choosing to go to plant based milks even though they still consume meat and other animal products so they have more options in terms of of other foods to to supplement back in so for the example of of iodine that can be lacking if you move away from dairy milk seaweed is actually a very natural ingredient that can be very high in iodine now you do have to be just mindful that depending on the season the iodine can go from very low to very high and just be um aware of that and that an overconsumption of iodine can have harmful effects but in general consuming seaweed maybe once a week is a great way to get that iodine back in with b12 it really is only available in animal products so something like liver is really high in b12 so if it is a consumer that is following a vegan or a vegetarian diet they will need to look for other foods that are fortified with b12 in europe in particular we would see b12 fortified into our breakfast cereals quite a bit so that's somewhere that it possibly is available but again it yeah it has to be a, probably a fortified food if you're following a vegan or vegetarian diet with regards to calcium calcium is actually really highly available well it's it's abundant in lots of vegetarian plant foods maybe less bioavailable as dr calpano already mentioned there's something called phytic acid which can sometimes inhibit the absorption of calcium but something such as a tofu that is set with calcium can be a really great source of that but of course we've already mentioned that soy is actually an okay source of calcium naturally so if you're uh, if you're looking to not drink the plant based milk just eating soy in general could be very important so i suppose there's some examples of foods that can support some of those key nutrients that are sometimes missing from these plant based milks 
Okay, thank you, Patty. So I didn't know seaweed had so much nutritional value, and I think that's something I'd definitely be adding to my diet. A question or a topic that we've hinted at throughout this conversation, but we haven't addressed directly so far, is the carbon footprint of plant-based milk and how that compares to, you know, having to milk cows and as a result, like farm animals to milk for dairy milk. Earlier, Dr. Kalpana did mention that maybe most can look for more sustainable packaging of plant-based milk and that's sort of one aspect of sustainability. But Patty, could you also share a little bit more about the trade-offs or whether or not plant-based milk has a lower carbon footprint um, compared to dairy? We've talked about the great nutritious benefits of dairy. It unfortunately definitely has a significantly higher environmental footprint. And it won't be new news to any of the listeners on this podcast that animal-derived products do have a higher environmental impact than plant-based foods and beverages. And, you know, that is down to the inefficiency around the fact that we have to feed and water those animals for a length of time before we can consume anything that we get from them. When it comes to the actual cow itself, that the methane that they emit as as they're, you know, burping, things like that, natural processes. There's also a big issue around land conversion. When it comes to dairy, so that you know, maybe forests are being cleared just to grow crops to feed those cattle, and all of that, if fertilizers to grow those crops just to feed the the cattle, is all impacting that environmental footprint. And in the end, it does create a much higher footprint to plant-based milks. Now, there are methods being introduced across the globe to reduce the impact of dairy, and that's you know, improving farming methods, in innovative things such as adding maybe an enzyme to the cattle feed and that'll help to reduce that burping of methane and lots of things like this, improving the the carbon footprint around fertilizer use. But all in all, yeah, plant-based milks definitely have a lower environmental impact. But we do have to consider that they're not all the same. So depending on the plant-based milk you choose will have a slightly different environmental impact. So we could take soy milk for an example. Soy is a really efficient crop to grow. It's leguminous, so that means it can fix nitrogen, which can help to take nitrogen, which is a quite a potent greenhouse gas out of the atmosphere. But then we also have really big issues with deforestation. Across the globe, there's you know, huge issues where forests are being cleared just to produce this soy. So that has a really negative impact on the environment. Almonds are another example. So they actually require a lot of fresh water to grow. And that's really not ideal in, say, water stressed areas. And and rice then probably is another one that actually produces methane and another very potent greenhouse gas. So it's it's not the most environmentally friendly. But if we were to be, you know, really broad brush about it, milk does have a higher environmental footprint. So Although it's very, very nutritious, we would look to maybe consumers to supplement some of their their cow's milk intake with some plant-based milk intake. Okay, thank you, Patty. And thank you for explaining the nuances that go on in the production of plant-based milk as well. But I think overall, there is a strong case for consumers to incorporate more plant-based milk into their diet. Dr. Kalpana, being based in Singapore, um, so I'm based in Kuala Lumpur, but from what I've seen, plant-based milks have generally been a bit more expensive compared to dairy in supermarkets and when consumers do their grocery shopping. What advice do you have for consumers who want to include more of 
these milks in their diet but may not be able to afford it regularly. Yeah, end of the day, you know, what consumers choose, yes, uh, dollars matter too. Yes, it's true that plant-based milk can be more expensive than dairy milk, but however, the ways you can, in- the consumers can include plant-based milk in their diet without breaking the bank. Let us look at some tips which consumers can adopt too. One of the things I would suggest is you can use plant-based milk in moderation. It need not be you have to use large amounts in order to enjoy its benefits. Using it in moderation, such as in your coffee, your making your tea or your cereal, can stretch your dollar while incorporating it into your diet. And the second thing they can do is go for fortified options. Okay, choose between the brands, which is the best fortified option. And the reason is because when you're buying this plant-based milk, you're also getting nutrients such as calcium and vitamin D when it's fortified. And so choosing fortified options helps to ensure that you're getting the nutrients you need, which may be more cost-effective option than buying the supplements separately. And the second is you also can compare the prices of different brands and types of plant-based milk and to find the most affordable option. And the other option is consumers can also think to buy in bulk. I have also seen some of the promotions, you know, you buy two packs, you get one pack free. These are some of the tips. But again, having said that, I feel compared to two years and now the cost has come down because the demand for plant-based milk has gone up. So when the demand is high, I think that the cost of production will also be what the consumer gets will be lower too. Okay, thank you so much, Dr. Kalpana. And I look forward to the prices of plant-based milk coming down so more people can enjoy it. So before we wrap up this podcast, any final words or advice for consumers that you would like to share, Patty or Dr. Kalpana? I always, again, believe in the foundation for a healthy and balanced diet that can prevent chronic diseases and maintain healthy body weight and support overall health and well-being is very important. So whatever you choose, always look for more balance, moderation, variety, adequacy, as well as anything you choose. Also look for nutrient density. Choose foods that are rich in essential nutrients, lower in calories, and that should be an option. And also try to personalize the diet to meet your individual needs. So because one, whatever I've advised, one size doesn't fit all. So that also applies to nutrition. Okay, thank you very much, Dr. Kalpana. Patti, any final words of advice? Yeah, I completely agree with everything Dr. Kalpana said there. I know today we really focused on plant-based milks, but in terms of nutrition, we should absolutely look at our diet as a whole and ensure that we're getting variety and if it is a situation that you cannot consume you know one ingredient there's no need to have this fear that you're going to be lacking we, we can ensure that we get everything we need from our diet by you know including that there's a huge variety and balance all through throughout all right thank you so much patty and thanks both of you for speaking to us and sharing your insights on the eco business podcast today This podcast was hosted by EcoBusiness, Asia's leading media company serving the region's sustainability community. Join the conversation by visiting eco-business.com, follow us on social media, and subscribe to our newsletters. Thanks for listening.